Romans chapter 15, verses 1 through 13. Paul says, We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. For Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures we might have hope. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore... Welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. For I tell you that Christ became a servant to the circumcised to show God's truthfulness in order to confirm the promises given to the patriarchs and in order that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy as it is written. Therefore, I will praise you among the Gentiles and sing to your name. And again it is said, Rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and let all the peoples extol him. And again, Isaiah says, The root of Jesse will come, even he who arises to rule the Gentiles. In him will the Gentiles hope. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. Now, this little section here at the end of these verses that we just read that deal with the Gentiles, the Gentiles, the Gentiles, we'll deal with that when we come back in a couple of weeks. We'll deal with that in January. We won't be able to break that down tonight, but we've got plenty in the rest of the verses that we're going to be looking at. And you might not have caught this or not, but hopefully you'll be able to see it. This whole section that we just read is connected to chapter 14 that we spent last week looking at. And it's continuing Paul's thoughts and his instruction on this matter. Look at verses 14, chapter 14, verses 1 through 3. Look at Romans 14, 1 through 3. As for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him, but not to quarrel over opinions. One person believes he made anything while the weak person eats only vegetables. Let not the one who eats despise the one who abstains, and let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats, for God has welcomed him. Jump down to chapter 15. Look again at verse 7. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. See, when Paul wrote this, he didn't have, tell the guy that was writing it down, okay, that's the end of chapter 14. Now we're going to start chapter 15. It was all one letter. And so what we're looking at here and what we call chapter 15 verses 1 and following is continuing what he had been dealing with in chapter 14. The word welcome could be better translated. Maybe some of your Bibles have that translation, accept. Accept one another as the Lord has accepted you. In other words, since God has accepted you by your faith in him, accept each other and stop trying to make others earn his acceptance and yours. Let me explain what I mean by this. As we've been seeing earlier, and we looked at chapter 14, there were them, some that either Jewish or Gentile were still struggling with being set free from paganism or what seemed like paganism or the law and moving into the freedom that we have in Christ. And Paul said he's fully convinced that there's nothing unclean. Yet for some people, if it is unclean to them, it would be sin for them to do it and such and so. And unfortunately, as people were wrestling with their old way of life, either Judaism or paganism, and learning how to move into the freedom of being a Christian, 
they were still struggling with some of the old vestiges of their past life, and they were judging the other people who seemed to have more freedom or didn't see it the way they saw it. And as we spent last week, we looked at the fact that we're all going to stand before God, and He's going to judge us, and we want to, each of us know how to let the Holy Spirit and the Word of God guide us into following Him. And we've got to stop turning Christianity into a set of rules, do's and don'ts. Unfortunately, for years, Christianity has been known as a a religion of rules. And, you know, many of us grew up with the old joke, I don't dance and I, I don't chew and I don't go with girls that do. And we actually, years ago, I was sitting at a Chinese restaurant with a bunch of brothers in Christ, all from different churches. And we were just sitting there laughing and talking about the Lord. And a lady walked up to me and the rest of our group. And she said, I'm sorry for interrupting you, but I've been listening. And I want to know what church you guys go to, because I would like to go to that church. And I said, well, to be honest with you, we all go to different churches and I go to this one and we told what church we went to. I said, but I'm a traveling preacher and I'm actually going to be speaking at his church this Sunday. Why don't you come there? She said, I would love to. And then she went like this. She said, oh, but I don't have nice enough clothes. How did this lady get taught that she had to dress in a certain way in order to be able to come to church? Because we've turned Christianity into a religion of rules. And so if God has accepted you by faith, why don't we just accept each other in the same way that he's accepted us? And that's what Paul's continuing on. And we're going to take a look at it in a little bit more detail tonight. Paul then re reiterates, though, something he had said in chapter 14, that we should be seeking to build each other up, not tear each other down. Look at chapter 15 again and look at verse uh, 2. He says, let each of us please his neighbor for his good to what? To build him up. All right. Go back to chapter 14. Look at verse 19. Chapter 14, verse 19. So then let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. Now, let me just say something to you. And we're going to show you how to do this in a little more detail here from the scriptures. Sometimes when we are showing people how we think they ought to live and we're trying to help them, our intentions may be good and we think we're helping, but actually in doing so, we tear them down without realizing it. When you correct somebody, your heart might be, I want to help you get it the right way because I, I see the right way and you don't. I want to correct you. But in doing so, we don't build them up. We tear them down. Let me give you an example that I've used in years past, but might help you if you haven't heard it or even if you have. Years ago, when my son, AJ, who's like 6'3", 6'4", was playing basketball in like junior high level, and he was always tall for his age, even then. He wasn't great at basketball, but he was tall. I used to play basketball in college. I actually was very good at basketball. And I was always jealous of my son's height, thinking, dude, if I had your body with what I know about basketball, what we can accomplish. And I wanted to help him get better at basketball. Well, here I was sitting in the stands one day watching my son play in a junior high level game. And he had a breakaway layup all by himself. And as he went to lay the basketball off the backboard, he did it too hard and it bounced and he missed a wide open layup. Now, I then stand up in the gym wanting to help because my heart was to help him. And I yelled softer off the backboard next time in my heart. I'm thinking I'm helping by correcting him. But I watched his shoulders just fall as he put his head down and had to run back on defense. 
I embarrassed him in front of everybody. And even though my words were intended to help, they didn't. We should be seeking to build each other up, not tear each other down. Well, I, I'm doing I'm speaking the truth in love. Well, are you doing it for yourself, for your own good or for their good? Go to Romans chapter 14. Look at verse four, how we build each other up is to teach people how to follow Jesus and his word for themselves. Look at Romans 14, verse 4. And you're going to see this come into great detail tonight as we do some interesting study. In Romans 14, look at verse 4. Who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? It is before his own master that he stands or falls, and he will be upheld, for the Lord is able to make him stand. So, Whose responsibility is it to correct people and to help them grow in their knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ? Is it ours? No, it's Jesus's. That's the Holy Spirit's work. In John chapter 16, Jesus said, it's good for you. Verse seven, it's good for you that I go away because if I don't go away, the Holy Spirit can't come. Listen to verse eight. But when he comes, he will convict the world in regard to sin and the need of righteousness and the fact that there's a coming judgment. That's the Holy Spirit's work. Our job is to point people to him and his word and let Jesus and his word do his work in their lives. We don't want to make people followers of us. We don't want them to be doing it the way we do it. We need to be telling them, what does God's word say? What is Jesus telling you? And that's how we build each other up, by pointing each other to Jesus. Go back to Romans 14 again. Listen to 7, verses 7 through 12. For none of us lives to himself, and none of us dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. So then, whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. For to this end, Christ died and lived again, that he might be Lord both of the dead and of the living. Why do you pass judgment on your brother? Or you, why do you despise your brother? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. Paul tried to bring this out. And was bringing this out in chapter 14. And I don't know if I spent enough time on that. I want to kind of help you see it a little bit more. And we're going to look at some other writings of Paul that will help us hopefully see this. What is more important is not that other brothers and sisters, and ourselves as well, are following a set of rules, seven steps to the Christian life. But actually that each of us are learning how to be led of the Spirit walking in obedience to the Holy Spirit and to the Lord and his word as he has a specific plan for each of our lives and how he wants us to live that out. That's why Paul said, even though I know that there's nothing unclean that I eat, if someone thinks it is unclean, to that person it is. And if I tell them, no, nah, no, nah, it's OK when they feel like it's a sin to eat it, I'm having them go against their conscience. I'm about to do a men's conference coming up in February over in Port St. John. I'm going to be one of four speakers at a men's conference. And I'm going to be showing these men in this message that God's given me for them 
how to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. And one of the best ways to learn to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit is to learn to recognize their conscience. God uses our consciences to help us even realize our lostness. When we're, when we're lost, Romans chapter 2 says that those Gentiles who don't have the law have their consciences, which are a law unto themselves. Even though they don't have the written law of God, when they do by nature what is written in the law because their consciences are so on, or they go against their consciences, God is showing them that they're lawbreakers. In the same way, throughout the scriptures, you'll see Paul talk about people that have become hard-hearted and they're not sensitive to the Spirit. And he uses this term, their consciences are seared, cauterized, so they're not sensitive to the Holy Spirit. And so Paul is saying, listen, we're not to turn Christianity into you can do this and you can't do this and this is allowed and that's not allowed. We should be helping people by building them up, by pointing them to Jesus and saying, what is he saying in this situation? What is he wanting you to do here? Well, I don't know. Well, that's the bigger issue. Because Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. They follow me. And so one of the best ways is to have people say, say to them, do you feel like it's right? Or do you feel like it's wrong? Do you feel like he's given you a peace to move in this direction? Or do you feel like you don't have a peace to move in this direction? Because it's much more important that I build you up by pointing you to the one who is able to finish what he started and to teach you how to follow him. That's his job. My job is to point you to him. And that should be our job for each other. Go to Romans, I'm sorry, Ephesians chapter 4. Look at verses 11 through 16. This is a passage I've preached on many times to show that the pastors aren't supposed to be the ones doing the work of the ministry, but the church is. But there's something in here, though, that I want you to see. In Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 16, and he, this he in this passage is God. God gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. Did you catch that? The body will be built up when the saints do the work of the ministry. We've unfortunately turned it into someone sick, call the pastor. Someone need to be saved, call the pastor. No, the pastors are supposed to be feeding you the word of God so that you can use your gifts and build up the body as each part does its work. We're going to see that in a little bit. And so to equip the saints, verse 12, for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way in to who? Into Jesus, who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So how do we build each other up? We point each other to Jesus and his word, and we let Jesus and his word make the changes in their lives. We don't say, well, you need to do it this way. No, 
What's the word of God say in this situation that you're how you're to do, deal with this? And what is the spirit telling you to do that lines up with the word? And on top of that, I build you up by using the gifts God's given me by feeding you the word. And you build each other up as you use the gifts that God's given you. But you shouldn't ever say to somebody if your gift is helps or your gift is mercy. I'm here for you. If you've got the gifts of helps and the gift of mercy, what should you be saying to them? Jesus is here for you. Do you understand what I'm saying? You don't want them to becoming dependent on you. You should be there for them to point them to Jesus. Because in time, you may not be there. And if they become addicted to you, they're going to feel like, well, I'm, no one's here. Nobody cares for me. I'm all alone. Well, that's not true, is it? Jesus said he'll never leave us nor forsake us. But sometimes we need to be reminded of that. And we build each other up by pointing each other to the Lord and not trying to become their master ourselves. We're to encourage each other. Now, I'm going to show you this from the word and I'm going to we're going to kind of have a little fun and and, and kind of break this down here. We're to encourage each other to holy living, believing that Jesus will show each of us what that will look like in each of our lives. Instead of giving people rules to follow for holy living, we are to encourage each other to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit and their consciences and to live our lives in such a way that we won't be a bad example. All right. Go. We're in Ephesians four. Let's look at the following verses. Look at verses 17 through 32. And I want you to notice how Paul gives encouragement about holy living and what to turn away from and what to turn toward, but he never tells them specifically how. It's going to be interesting as you see this. Now I say this, or this I say, and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do, in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that's in them, due to the hardness of their heart. They have become callous, They've given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learned Christ, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in the true in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we're members one of another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for the hearer, for the building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. So did you notice how he's encouraging them to holy living, but he's not giving them specifics. He says, I want you if, you, if, you, if you're a thief, don't steal anymore. Well, if I take pencils from work, is that stealing? What's the Holy Spirit telling you? 
The fact that you're even asking me this question might be that your conscience is already being pricked in this area. And what's more important is not that I give you a set of it's okay to steal pencils or it's not okay to steal pencils. It's more important that I teach you how to hear from the Lord. Do you see what I'm saying? That's what we should be telling people. What's the Lord saying? And to be honest with you, because Christianity has been turned into a set of rules, most Christians don't know how to recognize when the Spirit of God is saying it's okay to have a pencil or not okay to have a pencil. Most of us are just waiting for the preacher to tell us, do I get to go see PG movies, PG-13, R, X, what's the limit, what's allowed, what's not allowed? The answer is, and that makes us very uncomfortable, what's the Lord allowing in your life? Well, I don't think he's allowing me to see anything but G. Okay, does that mean now you're going to look down on your brother who feels okay to see a PG or an R? Well, I just don't think that if they really were walking with the Lord, they would let that stuff into the, Well, be careful. You're now starting to take the role of the Holy Spirit. Do you understand what I'm saying? We're all going to stand before the Lord. And one day, each of you are going to stand before the Lord. And I don't want you saying, well, Jim, I try, I'm sorry, Lord, I tried to live as Jim said. My role is to say, do you know Jesus? Is he your savior? If he is, he's come to indwell you because he's made that promise. Has he confirmed it in your heart? Has his spirit testified with your spirit that you're his child? Have you examined yourself to see whether or not you're in the faith? Is Jesus in you? Now, he wants to teach you how to walk with him, and he's going to do it on baby steps. And when it comes to holy living and sensuality and corrupt talk, I could easily say this is corrupt talk and that's not corrupt talk, or this is sensuality and that's not sensuality, but I would be taking over the role that the Holy Spirit wants to take in your life, and I want you to learn how to listen to him. And so I'm just going to give you a little commercial uh, for what I'm going to be doing in February. It starts with your conscience. If you're not real good at hearing the Holy Spirit speak, start on the level of your conscience. Are you pricked a little bit? Are you uncomfortable? Is the Holy Spirit trying to talk to you? Don't tune that out. Because if you get good at tuning that out, and all of us have done that, haven't we? When we know when our consciences or the Holy Spirit has spoken to us and we ignore it and we do it anyway, the more you do that, you become hard-hearted, less sensitive to the Spirit. And the Bible calls it a hard heart. You don't want to read the passages about the hard heart and a seared conscience. Let's keep reading in chapter 5 of Ephesians. Look at verses 1 through 21. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure, who is covetous, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not become partners with them, for at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Well, how do we walk as children of light? Give me the rules. What's allowed? What's not allowed? No, that's the Holy Spirit's job. 
And he's going to do it. And as you're going to see in a little bit, he's going to use his word. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Do you see that? Take no part in the unfruitful work of, dark, of darkness. Ex instead, expose them. For it's shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, it says, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Look carefully, then, how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that's debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, and giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. I want to go back over a few of these verses now and point out to you how Paul in his encouragement to follow Jesus and his word is also telling them to be sensitive to his spirit. He's encouraging them to follow Jesus and his word and to be sensitive to the spirit. Look at chapter five again, verse one. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. You should be seeking to become more like God. Who's the one who is going to show you how to become more like God? The Holy Spirit, Jesus, who lives within you, God himself. They're all living in you, folks, and he's going to do that. He's going to help you become more like him. Go to chapter five. Look at verses eight through ten. He says here, for at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Did you notice how Paul doesn't say here, here's what's pleasing to the Lord, and here's not what's pleasing to the Lord. He says, I want you to try and recognize what's pleasing to the Lord. He's trying to teach them how to grow up into him who is the head. And in time, we'll all come to a unity of the faith. We'll call, come to a deeper understanding of Jesus. But in the process of some people being at algebra le level and others being at first grade math level, we have to bear with one another, understanding not that everybody's going to be at the same level. And those that are good at the algebra level should not be looking down on the first grade math level. And the people that are first grade math level shouldn't be condemning the people that are at algebra level. We should be trusting that the same Holy Spirit that's going to get me where I'm supposed to be is going to get them where they're supposed to be. And let's accept each other in the process and let's love each other and keep pointing each other to Jesus. Problem is, is we all still want to be God. Whether you know this or not, you want to be God. You say, no, I don't. No, you still do. You still got the flesh. We are. We, that's why we have to daily lay our flesh on the altar. As much as we try to act spiritual, I, I don't want to be God. Well, in your inner man, you don't want to be God. But you got a problem. You're still in your flesh. And every single one of us has had thoughts like, well, that's not how I would have done it. Lord, here's my prayer. Here's how I think it should be done. Nevertheless, not my will, because I have a will and I want to be God, but yours. You have to lay that down. And without realizing this, we also want to be in charge of everybody else's life because that's part of God's job. Look at verses 15 through 18 in chapter 5. He then says this. 
He says, look then, look carefully at how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Boy, we could take an hour and give you a set of rules to follow to fill those verses, couldn't we? But that would be sinning. That's what the Pharisees did. They took the law of God, which said honor the Sabbath and keep it holy. And then they made up a whole bunch of rules, 300 of them actually, as to how to keep that law. How to keep the, law, the Sabbath holy. You aren't allowed to do this. You're only allowed to step this far. You can do this, but not that. And they gave a set of rules to follow. And now all of a sudden, instead of people learning to recognize the spirit of God, showing them how to keep the Sabbath holy and what it was pointing to and what he was saying, they thought that they were OK because they were following the rules that were given out by the Pharisees. And Jesus said that the Pharisees were making them twice the children of hell than they were in the beginning. Go ahead. Didn't you realize that was I'm sorry? Didn't they realize that was work, trying to maintain 300 laws? In their minds, they were avoiding work. They missed it because they were focusing on the rules. We, unfortunately, have to be careful and be honest. The church has been this way as well. I mean, if you really love the Lord, you'll wear a tie. Or you'll dress nice. And we'll determine whether or not your dress is long enough or not long enough. Or whether a woman should wear pants or not wear pants. Whether a woman wears makeup or not makeup, whether a kid should run in the hall or not run in the hall, whether a man can wear a baseball cap into the building or not. Do you understand what I'm talking about? Whether or not you can bring a, a soda into the sanctuary or, or a coffee or it has to be only water. We don't realize it, but we have turned following Jesus into a set of rules and we wonder why Israel's not been made jealous. Israel's not been made jealous because we're just showing the same thing they had just in a different form. There's also something else that Paul says here that we really need to look at. Look at, look at what he says here in verses 11 and following. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. Now, most of us would take that verse and think that it's our job then to start pointing out all the wicked things in the world. Standing on our soapbox on the corner. And that's sin, and that's sin, and that's sin. But keep reading. It's shameful to even speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, it says, awake, O sleeper, and rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. We expose darkness not by pointing it out but by living out the light in us. There are a group of Christians, and they use that name, and I'll put that name in quotes, who go to homosexuals' funerals and stand there with signs saying they went to hell. And God hates this, and God hates that. And they think they're being righteous by pointing out all the sin in the world. Homosexuality is a sin. There's many sins. But unfortunately, a lot of Christians think their job is to say that's sin and that's sin and that's sin. No, the Bible says we expose the darkness by just letting the light of Christ shine through us. You ever had somebody say to you and you never said anything about their language? You ever had anybody say something to you? Pardon my French. Guess what? If you never said anything about their language, but they said to you, pardon my French, your light the light of Christ in you is shining enough that they actually realized, maybe I shouldn't be talking like this in front of this person. If you live in Florida, you have cockroaches. Don't pretend you don't. 
We even pay a guy every month or so to come and spray inside and out. And we always can tell when it's time for Steve to come back because we never see any bugs until a few days right before he's supposed to come back. They start showing up their belly up, but they start coming out. They all kind of die out into the light. But here's the deal. If you go out on your back porch at night and it's dark and you flip on the light real quick, they scurry, right? Do you have to go, you're a cockroach, you're a cockroach, you're a cockroach? No, you flip the light on and they run. In the same way, our job as Christians is not to be going out and pointing out all the wicked things that are happening in the world. It's shameful to even talk about the stuff that they're doing. But it's exposed when we live lives of purity and holiness. And we don't do some of those things. And the Holy Spirit tells us when to go to this party or when not to go to this party, when to go watch this movie or when not to go watch this movie. And it's not a matter of the rules, but being led of the Spirit. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And I will do you well to say to you, learn how to walk with Jesus and let him show you what light looks like and his light looks like in your life and watch how God uses you. But don't think it's your job to point out everybody else's sin. Go to Colossians 3 real quick. Look at verses 1 through 17. You're going to see this again. Paul gives encouragement toward holy living, but he points them to God and his word. And by the way, in the last section we just read, he said in Ephesians, it's to sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. You're going to see it again here in Colossians 3. Look at verses 1 and following. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge after the image of its creator. Did you catch that? What's happening inside of you right now? You are being renewed in the knowledge after the image of its creator. You, the spirit of God's at work in you. But you actually don't recognize it or don't submit to it if you're more interested in following the rules and thinking you're okay because you didn't drink and you didn't chew and you didn't go with a girl who did. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's going to make you less sensitive to the Holy Spirit's leading. Keep reading. He then goes on and says, Here then there's not Greek and Jew, circumcised, uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these... Put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let me stop here real quick. I'm going to keep reading in just a second. 
This word rule in this verse, Colossians 3.15, is like our word umpire. The umpire says safe or out. Approved, not approved. Let the peace of Christ umpire in your hearts. Let the peace of Christ guide you and tell you yes or no. That's what it's saying. As you learn to walk in purity and saying no to the flesh, let the Holy Spirit show you on a daily basis how to begin living that out. Now avoid the danger of when the Holy Spirit shows you something and you start to see this change in your life and he says to you, I want you to stop doing X for a while. And all of a sudden you have growth in your walk with the Lord because you've heard the Lord, you've listened to him and you did it. You just all of a sudden don't become the latest profit of that change. Everybody else, you got to stop doing X. I stopped doing X and I grew in my walk with the Lord. And if you stop doing X too, you can be like me. See, that's the danger in this because we still want to be God. But it isn't about rules. It's about our conscience, the Holy Spirit, the Word of God. You're going to see this even more as we continue on. Keep reading. Let the word of Christ, verse 16, dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or action, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Now stop. You may not have remembered this. But that's almost word for word what Paul said back in chapter 14. If one day, one person considers one day is more sacred than another, he does it too, to the Lord. If he considers every day equal, he does that to the Lord. If one eats everything, he does it to the Lord. If he avoids certain things, they do it to the Lord. So whatever you do, whether in word or deed, make sure you're doing it to the Lord and by his leadership and direction. And if you got a peace, live in the freedom that you have. Live in the joy that you have in the Lord. Now let's go back to Romans 15. And let's reread verses 1 through 7 again and see if they don't make a little more sense. We who are the strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good, to build him up. For Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction and through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures we might have hope. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome or accept one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. What we're going to do in the time we have left, we've got 20 minutes, is I'm going to pull something out of verses 4 through 6 here that we really, 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 really need to see. You might have never noticed this, and I'm telling you, I can promise you it's what we need right now. Look again at verses 4 through 6. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. May the God of endurance and encouragement 
grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let me ask you a question here, and I want to honest show of hands. How many of you could sure use some endurance and encouragement right now? All of us, correct? Now, there's a couple things I can't wait to point out. One, we not only need these today, this verse and these verses actually tell us that God knew what these days would be like. And it also shows us who he is and how he's acting toward us in these days. Look closely again. Our God is a God of love, encouragement, joy, peace and hope. Well, Jim, God's a God of wrath, too. But yes, but only for those who are outside of his forgiveness. Now that you have been forgiven of your sins, the wrath of God has been removed from you. And that aspect of who he is, you will never experience. So look again at what it says here in verse five. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another. God's a God of love. He's a God of encouragement. He's a God of endurance. He's a God of joy. He's a God of peace. He's a God of hope. When the angels came and announced the birth of Jesus, what did they say to the shepherds? He said, glory to God in the highest and on earth, what? Peace with whom he's well pleased. Well, if you're in Christ, you're in that group and God's peace is now yours. Romans chapter five, verses one through five says that we now are at peace with God through faith in Jesus Christ. Since we've been justified, we're at peace with God. And that's why we can rejoice even if we suffer, because God's not mad at us. He's not punishing us. We actually know that his suffer, the suffering is going to produce righteousness and all the good things that he wants to accomplish. That's why we can count it all joy when we face trials of various kinds. But many of us lose sight of that. And here's why. And I'm going to put it to you as best I can. You don't spend enough time in the word. Because whatever was written was written for our endurance and our encouragement. You will not get endurance and encouragement without the scriptures. You see, if I come alongside of you and say, hang on, do your best. You're going to be OK. Let me give you encouragement. Actually, that's really not going to help you very long. The only thing that it's really going to get to your heart is the word of God and knowing what he said and his promises. Look at 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 verses 16 and 17. 2 Thessalonians 2, verse 16. Now may the, our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, look at how he's described, who loved us and gave us eternal comfort and good hope through grace, comfort your hearts and establish them in every good work and word. Who's going to do the work in us to get us where we need to be and give us the encouragement and, and, the, and, and the endurance? Who's the only one? The Holy Spirit, God himself through his word. Through his word, he's going to. Jesus said, I have more to share with you, more than you can now bear. But when the Holy Spirit comes, he'll take from what is mine and make it known to you. He'll teach you all things. He'll remind you of what I've said to you. Folks, the Holy Spirit living within you is not going to be sitting there going rah, rah, sis, boom, bah. He's going to be reminding you of his word. And you need to hold on to what he has said. You need to believe his promises. 
Because there are days when it doesn't look like those promises are going to come true. And we need the endurance and the encouragement of the scriptures. That's why we need to make sure that when we are encouraging people, we need to be pointing them to Jesus and his word. We get our endurance and our encouragement from him through his word. Go to Psalm 119, verses 49 through 52. Psalm 119, verses 49 through 52. Psalm 119, verse 49. Remember your word to your servant, Lord, in which you have made me hope. This is my comfort in my affliction, that your promise gives me life. The insolent utterly deride me, but I do not turn away from your law. When I think of your rules from of old, I take comfort, O Lord. Now, I want to clarify this word comfort a little bit for us as well. Because whenever we hear the word comfort, we picture a comforter, correct? A quilt, a nice warm blanket. And there's nothing wrong with that type of comfort. But the actual word comfort, if you were to read some old English writing, you might read somewhere in an old English book where it talked about the soldier comforted himself with his sword. Well, that doesn't sound very comfortable. Did he lay down with it? No, no, no. What it meant was he got strength and encouragement with the fact that he had his sword. And our God is a God of encouragement and comfort. Yes, he's going to put an arm around you, but he's not just going to put an arm around you. He's going to strengthen you. Going to give you boldness, comfort, like a sword would give you comfort. Oh, and by the way, what is the sword of the Spirit? The Word of God. The psalmist here says, I drew comfort, encouragement, strength from your Word. That's what will get you through. Go to Acts chapter 20. Let me show you something here. Paul is saying goodbye to the leaders of the Ephesian church. He's just told them he doesn't know if he's ever going to see him again. And they're weeping because of this. But he also is about he's just telling them about some really bad stuff that's about to happen. He says in verse 28, he tells the elders of this church, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. They're going to give you rules to follow and what you can eat and what you can't eat, what you can drink and whether you can't drink, whether you can marry or not getting married. Whether you have to follow new moon festivals or Sabbath days. Therefore, be alert Remembering that for three years I didn't cease night or day to admonish everyone of you with tears. And look at what he says now. Thinking he'll never see them again. And knowing that there's going to be false teachers that come in and give him a set of rules to follow, to follow them. And now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to, do you see it? Build you up and give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. Paul didn't give him a set of rules to follow. He didn't say, you got to write your church constitution and bylaws in such a way to protect you from these guys that are going to come in. What did he say? I commend you to, commend you to God and the word of his grace, which is able to give you everything you need. 
Folks, if you just stay with God and his word, he'll guide you. He'll take care of you. We all know 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, how the, the word of God is God breathed and it's able to do what? It's useful for what? Correction, rebuke, teaching, encouragement. So the man of God may be equipped for every good work. The word of God, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 and following, the word of God is living, active, sharper than any two-edged sword, able to discern between soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and nothing is hidden, not even the attitudes of people's hearts. God's word is enough, folks. And I'm telling you, the more you spend time in his word, as things continue to get crazier, you're actually going to be encouraged because you're going to see and the Spirit of God's going to encourage you and say, everything's right on schedule. I'm coming soon because of all these things. Jesus himself told his disciples in John chapter 16, I've told you these things ahead of time so that when these things happen, you'll have peace. You'll know that I warned you ahead of time. I told you ahead of time so that you'll have encouragement when that stuff happens. I had the privilege of preaching uh, this past Sunday in Merritt Island at, at a church in Merritt Island. And, and I preached the message on Migdal Eater and where Jesus was born. And if you've not ever heard that message, you need to go to our YouTube channel. It, that message has actually just been put up there on our YouTube channel. Migdal Eater, where was Jesus born? But I, God had me preach it as an encouragement in these days that we're in. And when I was done preaching, a man came up afterwards and he said this to me. He goes, you, your message today reminded me of something I've heard recently. And I said, what's that? He said, we should make a bumper sticker out of this. I said, OK, well, what is it first? And he said this. He goes, normal is not coming back. Jesus is. Isn't that encouragement? Well, it's encouragement because it lines up with the word of God. Jesus said there's going to be godlessness in the last days. It's going to get worse and worse. But as you see these things take place, Lift up your eyes. Your salvation is drawing near. You're a day closer to heaven than you were yesterday, folks. And it's getting close. And you need the encouragement and the endurance in these days that only comes from the scriptures through the Holy Spirit. Go to Romans chapter 4. Look at verses 22 through 25. There's something here that we missed, I think, when we studied Romans 4. Which makes me wonder how much else we've missed in our study of Romans. Maybe we need to start over. But go to Romans 4. Look at verses 22 through 25. That is why his faith, talking about Abraham, was counted to him as righteousness. But the words it was counted to him were not written for his sake alone. But for ours also. It will be counted to us who believe in him, who raised from the dead Jesus our Lord and was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. Those words weren't just written for Abraham. They were written for you and me. Remember we just read this in Romans 15? The things that have been written were written for our endurance and our encouragement. All of a sudden that passage in Hebrews chapter 10 verses 19 and following that says we can go boldly to the throne of grace because of Jesus and we're to spur one another on toward love and good deeds. And then that passage makes so much more sense now, doesn't it? And all the more as we see the day approaching. For years as a preacher, I've been preaching almost 40 years now, full time. For years back in the past, we used to take that passage in Hebrews where it said, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together as is the manner of some. And we'd say, you need to be in church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday. 
But now that passage is coming alive to me because I know the Holy Spirit knew that in the last days there'd be COVID and there'd be people who would want to isolate because of COVID. There are others who would all of a sudden get addicted to the fact that we can live stream now and I can just go to church and sit in my, my living room and watch it on, on my phone. And the Holy Spirit years and years ago encouraged the Hebrew writer to say, encourage each other to not isolate and all the more as you see the day approaching. You know, those things were written in the past, but they were also written for us now. And there's encouragement for you folks. And I, well, go to Psalm 1. Let me just see if you believe this or not. Let's just see if you believe this or not. Because I can't give you any more encouragement than this. Psalm chapter 1, look at verses 1 through 3. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. For years, people have asked me as a pastor, hang on, pastor, when are we supposed to have our quiet time? In the morning or in the evening? Well, the Bible actually says all day. But you see how we try to turn it into a rule? We try to turn everything into a rule. I think it's going to be beneficial for you to think on the Word of God and spend time in the Word of God, even just meditating on it while you're driving to work. Find some way to get it in. Keep allowing God to speak to you. But, oh, but listen to the promise then. This person that meditates on God's law day and night is like a tree planted by streams of water. And actually in the Hebrew, it's transplanted. In other words, picked up from where it was and put where it'll, it'll flourish. Transplanted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he barely gets by. No, he what? He prospers. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? Go back to Romans chapter 15. There's something in chapter 15, verse 13 that we need. We left it off. Romans 15, verse 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. In what? In believing. So that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. Folks, you will not be filled with this joy and peace until you believe the word of God. You can't be saved by knowing the plan of salvation. You have to believe it. And by the way, the Lord knows whether you really believe it. There's one thing to say, I believe. Well, there's a difference between saying, I believe that airplane will fly and getting on the airplane. God will fill you with joy and hope when you believe his word. Oh, and by the way, you only have to believe once in order to get saved. But in order to have the filling of the spirit, you have to believe over and over and over. That's why in Hebrews 5, I'm sorry, Ephesians 5, we saw, we saw Paul say, don't get drunk with the Holy Spirit, but be being filled with the Holy Spirit. Sorry, be drunk by wine, but be being filled with the Holy Spirit. You need to continually be drinking. Well, how do we drink? It comes down to spending time with the Lord in his word and in prayer, feeding on the word of God, but not just feeding on it, swallowing it. You can come to Bible study all you want for the rest of your life. 
and it'll count for nothing when you stand before God. There are many people that have tasted of the heavenly gift, but the Bible says they're not saved. You got to swallow. And you got to daily say, Lord, thank you that you've begun this work, and I need your grace to believe the rest. Remember the man's prayer? He said, Lord, I believe. Help my what? Unbelief. We need that prayer on a daily basis, don't we? I really believe God's going to take care of me. Kind of. If I'm honest with you, and if you're honest with me, you believe he'll do it, but you kind of don't. And God knows that kind of don't part, and he's okay with it. He just wants to work on it. He wants to bring it out. Go real quick to 2 Thessalonians chapter 5. Sorry, chapter 3, verse 5. 2 Thessalonians 3, 5. We just saw chapter 2, verses 16 and 17. 2 Thessalonians 3, verses, verse 5. May the Lord direct your hearts to the love of God and to the steadfastness, the persistence, the patience of who? Christ. Everything was written for our endurance and encouragement so that we can have hope. I don't know of any other time in this world that we needed more hope and endurance. Do you? Well, guess what? I can't say you're going to be okay. Oh, I can say it. But the only way you'll believe it is if you believe it because God said it, not Jim said it. I love you. We'll see you in two weeks. Hope you have a Merry Christmas.